You're listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast, where we explore the connection between running and positive mental health. We do this by talking to runners from all walks of life who generously share their experiences with us. So you don't miss an episode, I've created an email list for you to join. Check the show notes for more details. Without further ado, I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. In today's episode, we dive into the incredible journey of George Bryant, a remarkable individual who's found solace and joy in running. From overcoming childhood challenges to discovering a newfound love for running, George shares his transformative experience and valuable insights. Get ready to be motivated as we explore the power of running as a tool for personal growth, emotional well-being and resilience. Join us as we uncover George's unique perspective and discover how running can bring positive change to both the mind and the body. Let's lace up those shoes and dive right in. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I am so excited to introduce you all to George Bryant. George, hello. Hi. And welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. And I just feel incredibly even more excited because we get to meet in person first. So we I'm did. like, yes, let's do this. That's so exciting. So for uh, for everyone out there in listening land, I met George in Hawaii yep. where he was um, giving a talk at an event that I was at. And I found out that he ran. And of course, what did I do? I said, you've got to come on the podcast. So like a good sport that he is, he is here on the podcast with us some, what, maybe a month and a half, two months yeah, later. I'd, yeah, yeah, I'd say. Yeah, so I'm very excited to learn more about George because I didn't get to to learn, you know, heaps about you. So let's get started with where did you grow up, George? Obviously, you're not Australian. I'm not Australian. Nope, nope. Far, far away, even though I swear like 90% of my friends are Australian <laughs> or from New it. Zealand. Um, I love it. So I'm called that way in many ways. Uh, I grew up in uh, Massachusetts primarily, just outside of Boston. Um, mm-hmm. uh West Hartford, Connecticut, uh, pretty young, and then ended up in the suburbs of uh, Massachusetts. So that was that was kind of where I was until I forged my parents' signature to join the Marine Corps and run away. Oh my! Before we get into that crazy bit that you just dropped, um... yeah, here's the challenge. This is the challenge, right? This is a running podcast and mindset podcast, but I'm like, we're about to open Pandora's box and. That's Talk cool. about 36 years of demons that were locked away until it turned into what everybody sees as success now. Yeah. So yeah. That's that overnight success thing, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Over overnight. Overnight. It's like a, now I get it after 38 years of seeing it, of like what? Yeah. It's a journey, you know. You actually will never really get it. Anyway, yeah, exactly. we can, we'll get into that's that. The point. <laughs> that's the point. It's all about the practice, because that's all it is, practice. Um so when you were, were you a, a single child? Did you have siblings? Yeah. So yeah, I'll give you the, the overview. Childhood was pretty rough. Um, okay. Drug abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. Uh, my parents were, were pretty broken. Uh, I have one full sibling who was five years younger and he was kind of my child that I protected, but I basically became homeless at like 12, 13. Wow. 
um, and then started fending for myself. We had social services involved. We were technically custody of the state. I was trying to get emancipated. We had lawsuits, cops, welfare checks, in and out of hospitals. And I was just trying to make it through high school while getting bullied. Um, mm. I had my front teeth knocked out three times by the time I was 16. My nose broken twice. And I don't know why or what. And I've sat with this for 20,000 hours. But as a kid, I always was like, this isn't my life. Mm. This doesn't feel like mine. Like, like I don't want to be out of body experience. I don't, I don't get it. But for whatever reason, as a kid, I never did the path of everybody else. I never drank. Mm. I never did a drug. I never did any of it. And uh, amazing. So I just literally was like, I want to run away. The only problem was, is I was bulimic because I was sexually abused and developed an eating disorder and was massively overweight. And oh, so wow. I had to lose 70 pounds to join the Marine Corps. And so that's when my very unhealthy relationship with fitness started. And that's actually when running started. So yeah, it was a wow. pretty interesting time. So yeah, origin story started there. So you forged, you forged your parents' signature I did. To, get, to get into to the marine yeah so so really what what ended up happening is like because I was basically homeless I slept on friends couches or in cars that I bought or I would sleep at my work where I got jobs I worked a lot of jobs and uh so I always would need somewhere to go so I would try to join sports I joined track I joined cross country like and I would join anywhere where I had a place to be because there were other people they would give me food they'd give me water right they'd give me a place to go and so I would try everything And so like, I never really was an athlete and then football stuck for a while, um, gave me a place, but none of it really, really worked. And as I stumbled my way through high school, including navigating that whole divorce, the cops, Mm -hmm. the arrests, the abuse, the fights, the, all that stuff. Uh, I just wanted to get as far away as I could. Mm -hmm. I had no goal. I had no anything. And then one day my brain was like, it's the hardest thing I could do. And I was like, join the Marine Corps. Like that was it. It was no, it was, and and no joke. Like I got in my car and I drove to the recruiter's office and I walked in and I said, I want to be a Marine. And they're like, you're too fat. No, like that was, that was like the first. And I was like, Whoa. And like, he's like, you'd have to lose like 52 pounds just to like join. And so I was like, well, and they're like, we can't help you. So I left and I found the unhealthiest thing I could, which was basically a wrestler who's like, do this, like starve yourself, work out. I lost the weight and went back and they're like, well, your parents need to sign this. And so they did. Um, and (laughs) then, uh, yeah, my teachers basically all knew the situation. They knew the social services stuff and they basically passed me out of spite. I missed almost three quarters of my senior year and turned out to be the best decision for everybody because, oh, wow. I'm still friends with most of them. They listen to my podcast. I've gone back to speak at the school. Like I I've helped them with their businesses. Like it's, it's kind of a small world, but yeah, that was, that was my childhood until, um, I graduated. And then a couple of weeks after I graduated, I left for boot camp. Oh my. And so you were 16, 17 then. I was, I was, I gra- I joined when I was 17. I graduated 18. And then, uh, the only introduction I really had to fitness was once I joined, once a week I'd go to the recruiter and they would just run us and run us. And basically that's what the Marine Corps does. And so off I went to boot camp July 29th of 2002. And uh my introduction to what the physical body is capable of being pushed to and achieving yeah. was was introduced. And then um, you know, I came out of boot camp the lightest I'd ever been. I was probably 152 pounds. Yeah. Um 
I looked like Skeletor, but that was it. I, and then because I had a place and a home, I no longer had bulimia because yeah. I wasn't overweight anymore. And so fitness became my new drug. Yeah. And it just so happened that in the Marine Corps, it was forced on me twice a day anyways. And so whatever was forced, we did. And that became my escape. And so that was kind of like my introduction to fitness was for the function of becoming a Marine. Do you remember what you thought or felt about the exercise oh, I hate, element? I hated, I, hated I, I hated it. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I can mm-hmm. tell you to this day, I do not know why as a child, as, as whatever, I always loved physical activity, but running no way. Now, just for the record, uh, I'm pigeon-toed. I'm 5'7", but I'm built like a fullback. Um, I have a lot of issues and injuries. I almost lost my legs in 2004 from, wow. you know, things like that. And so there's like a lot of stuff. And so, you know, my relationship with fitness and specifically running is now a very much love, love, holy moly. I'm glad I stuck to this my whole life. Um, but back then it was it had so many different veils. It was an escape mechanism. It was a coping mechanism. It was a tool. It was Mm -hmm. my job. It was an emotional release. It was a place for me to punish myself, but it was also a place for me to love myself. And it really depended on the, on the external stimulus that was happening around me. Right. Cause I was in preparing, preparing to go to war. Right. Like I then, you know, joined the Marine Corps in 2002 and then by the time I was done with boot camp, Marine combat training and my schooling, that's a year. And then mm. five months later, I was deployed for 13 months of my life to Somalia. Oh, wow. And so it was always this really, really interesting um, journey. And so I never had one, but because I was bullied most of my life, uh, I had Napoleon complex like you wouldn't believe, but mm. that's the only way I knew how to survive right? Mm-hmm. Like as a kid, it was like, if I didn't get my own food, I wasn't going to eat. If I didn't yeah. make my own money, I wasn't going to do it. So I was like, all right, well, I'm small, let's get big. And so I got obsessed with bodybuilding. And then, you know, I go to Somalia, 175 pounds and a year and a half later, I come back and I'm 220. Wow. And all I did was eat and lift and eat and lift and train because I was deployed. Right. And it just and so happened. Mm-hmm. I got injured when I was there and I got what is called, uh, uh, I got bilateral exercise-induced compartment syndrome simultaneously. Wow. Uh, and uh, was misdiagnosed. And so when I flew home from that deployment, uh, about six hours after landing, I was on an operating table because I had blood clots everywhere. And then they proceeded to do the first fasciotomy. And after it was unsuccessful, said, we're going to have to amputate your legs. And I said, fudge off. Uh, I asked for a second opinion and I was blessed that a civilian doctor was like, I can't fix you. I can put a bandaid on this. You'll probably never walk again, uh, but oh you'll keep, you'll keep your legs. And he's like, so I'll do this. And then you're going to have to get out of the military. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever you say. Right. How old whatever. were you then? I was 21. Oh, Lord. 21. Yeah. So um, this was 2005, right? When I came back from that 13 month mm-hmm. deployment. So that injury happened on my 21st birthday um, of all days, uh, December 27th of 2004 wow. um, in Somalia. Um, so come back and then get the first surgery, get the opinion. And I say, great, do the surgeries. So the Marine Corps gives me 12 months to do mm-hmm. the surgeries and everything. And that's when my life really spiraled out of control because I got addicted to opiates. Uh, oh because I had to have four fasciotomies and each one was done separately. So it was fasciotomy and then debrided twice a day mm-hmm. until it was closed two weeks later, make a recovery and then do it again, then do it again, then do it again. 
Ich. And so four times over six months and then a PCA pump in my spine, you know, every six minutes. And so I was in a wheelchair and I got to my heaviest, which was 277 pounds. Wow. Um, so for all my Australian people, that's like 130 kilos. Mm. And as you said, you're like five, seven, you're about I'm my five, height. seven. Yeah. I'm your height. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so life was pretty dark. Um, and that's when I attempted to take my life. Um, and I overdosed mm-hmm. and, um, I woke up the next day, uh, and things changed perspective a little bit, uh, not instantly, but basically, uh, about two months later, the Marine Corps said, Hey, you have about two months to make a recovery or else you're getting kicked out. Mm -hmm. And I, at this point had nowhere to go. There was nothing to go back to. And I was still in the Marine Corps healing, but because it was my job, physical therapy became my job. Yeah. And I was assigned there and I had this one physical therapist and I, I, I owe this woman my life. She was the meanest four foot 11 Asian woman I've ever met in my fucking life. Excuse my language, <laughs> but I fine. have to. Um, <laughs> and like, no matter what, they're like, well, you know, you have to go to physical therapy. So eight hours a day. And the first thing this woman does is she's like, well, you got 60 days to figure out how to run three miles in 28 minutes because wow. that's what you have to do to pass. And I'm like, I haven't walked in a year right? Like I've been basically healing and she's like, here we go. And she literally would not put shoes on me and eight hours a day just worked me. And I mean, everything that you can imagine from mobility to stretching, to balance, to walking, to water, to flat feet, to barefoot, to uphill down. I mean, you, Oh wow! this woman broke down every single fiber of every single part of my lower extremities because I don't have feeling from the knee down. So everything had to be relearned from proprioception wise. Um, Yeah. And what I tell people is it's not like riding a bike because when you get off a bike, you still have muscle memory about how mm-hmm. to remind it. But when you lose the feeling in your legs, the memory's gone. So like I used to be a very, very good snowboarder. I could flip, I could spin. When I wow. started snowboarding again, it was like I had never put it on before because there was no connection between the feelings. I had to yeah. like relearn yeah. them all. So yeah. you're not getting that impulse, that kind of this yeah, this reaction. woman was kind of like a, a blessing and she literally was like, you need to do this and signed me up for a frigging triathlon in Hawaii and made <laughs> me basically do this every day. And then we hit the 60 day mark. Um and I passed my physical fitness test by 31 seconds or something. And barely, I mean I was torturing myself to run. Um and my boss was like you you have six months. You just bought yourself six months, get it better. And so she kept working with me and then sure as shit did a, a sprint triathlon and I won my first one. And That's so, amazing. And what? I was like, oh, <laughs> let's keep doing triathlons. And so then I lived in Hawaii, which happened to be perfect. So then I did, you know, triathlons at a half Ironman, did the Honolulu 30K, did all wow. that. And then um, that led me up until I ended up getting deployed to Afghanistan. Um, and then in that process, I lost my father to cancer and went through a whole lot of stuff there and, mm. you know, closed a lot of childhood wounds. And that's when really yeah. things started to get into perspective. And I'd say my relationship with fitness changed in a good way. Okay. Because in Afghanistan, uh, in 2009, 2010, you know, after that deployment, I ended up with like seven traumatic brain injuries and <clears throat> some other things. And so I witnessed a lot of death and things out there that put things into perspective and, yeah. I found paleo and CrossFit and it gave me an outlet and it made me feel better. And it helped me started to heal my eating disorder. Cause I was still bulimic while I was deployed. It was how I dealt with the stress yeah. of combat and all that mm-hmm. stuff and having Marines and all that. And, uh, 
just something clicked. And that's when I actually came home from the Marine Corps and accidentally became an entrepreneur because I realized that if I taught myself how to cook paleo yeah, and I documented it, it would hold me accountable to eating that way. And nobody would know that I was just trying not to be bulimic, but I was just, you know, documenting this food journey. So that's kind of how I started as an entrepreneur. And then wow, in that process, the Marine Corps is like, Hey, um, after that last deployment, the brain injuries are bad. I had bleeding on my brain, fluid on my brain. I would pass out instantly. I would be unconscious for 18 hours like it was bad I had went through nerve blocks stem cells injections surgeries I mean you name it like we we tried to mitigate it and my body was just like done and so they started a medical separation board on me which meant I was done it wasn't retirement I wasn't getting benefits yeah. it was like hey it's been a good 13 years um wow. And they don't Have give nice you benefits. Day. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't realize. No, that. no, I got medically separated, not retired. So the military gave me no benefits. The VA, which is a completely separate system, gives me a little bit. But if I told you the number that they say yeah. I should live on, I would be homeless and so would my whole family. Yeah, um, that's crazy. So, yeah. So then um, basically, you know, that led down into I kind of accidentally became an entrepreneur and in that process became a paleo food blogger, which put this lens of health and fitness in my purview and became kind of my passion slash career because it was making me money and yeah. I was using it as an accountability tool. And so through that food blog and documenting my journey as a food blogger while also becoming an entrepreneur, I went through an entire healing process because I was a food blogger and a New York Times bestselling cookbook author while still actively bulimic because I was yeah. still struggling. So I was teaching people health while I was living differently. And so eventually after building up all the fame and success, I came out publicly about it. How did I that, how did that struggles. work in your head? You know, the, oh, oh that, this was easy for me. Every, every, I mean, I'm an addict through and through. And for mm. me, I, I take the path of least resistance, which is hide in plain sight. Mm. So wow. I had a, I had a six pack. I ran three miles in 16 minutes. I could do 40 pull-ups. I could deadlift 600 pounds. I could squat 500 pounds. I ate clean that you could see. So on paper, nobody questioned good. anything. Mm. Yeah. nothing. And so nobody saw the pain pill addiction. No, I functioned right. And mm. I, I always did enough to function. And that was my life. And that's how I survived as a kid Wow. growing up with abuse and drug patterns yeah. and drug abusers and people coming in. It was reading people and figure out where to position myself to not get hit or to not get beat or to not incite a fight. And so that was like my whole life. So why did you decide to reveal what was behind the curtain? Uh, I lost everything multiple times, including my family and mm -hmm. uh, the, the demons of of the past, which was the childhood, uh, which I never worked on. And then I went into the military and I was rewarded for that trauma and then mm. benefited from it. And then I went from that to entrepreneurship and I just left a trail of dead bodies behind me. Mm. And all I ever wanted was for people to feel important and cared for. But I didn't realize that until I figured it out for myself, I was just going to hurt other people while trying to do it with the best intentions. And mm. so it took my um, soon to be ex-wife, uh, who's still my best friend, um, being pretty much seven months pregnant and us, you know, about four weeks away from bankruptcy and me losing it all and walking away and getting into really dark times after hospitalizations in and out and having on paper what everybody said I should. I was a New York Times bestseller, number one app in the world, every car, every house. And I was more miserable than I'd ever been in my life. Oh, wow. And so I went down into the jungle and I spent some time alone and um, I had clarity that 
I'd never had before uh, that nobody else agreed with. And I made a decision. And so I came home and in 24 hours, I gave away that entire company that I built. I deleted social media, which was like 2 million followers. I deleted my phone number. I deleted my email and I disappeared off the internet. And I went to work on me and my family for three years because I realized that's all I ever wanted. And I had it and I was running away from it all. And it was avoidance. And so it was a really, really big life, life lesson. One of many that I've had, um, which started to really give me an understanding that that whole journey, that whole existence I'd had through fitness and life and survival gave me this incredible toolbox Mm. of resources to really know myself, but I had to use them as a tool, not as a tool of punishment, not as a tool of suffering, but like, Mm. Hey, it's just you, right? Like at the end of the day, like this is a game of you versus you. Like the only relationship I'm guaranteed to have for the rest of my life is the one that's in the mirror. Mm. That one's here and it's not going anywhere. Right. And I realized that in fitness and in these moments, and even when I was in the dark times, and even when I was in like the hardest of it, and even if I was using the tools as a form of punishment, I was still finding relief and some level of self-awareness and identity Mm. in those tools. Like there was something that was still bringing me back to it. That was making me want to care about my body a little bit more, right? Or, Or making me always wonder like, should I run or should I not? And and it really just boiled down to like really getting gentle with myself. And and I think you said it earlier when we alluded to this, but like really understanding that for lack of better terms, it's never been about the trophy or the medal or the mm. time. It's about the preparation before the race. The race doesn't matter. It never yeah. does. All yeah. it is is a mile marker, right? It's like, a, oh, mm-hmm. here's my barometer. Got it. Noted yeah. next, right? And I just think, you know, for whatever reason in my life, i was blessed to choose a life that gave me a lot of perspective and story and experience that I used to help other people. But, you know, no matter what, like, it's still just me. Right. And, and I think about my relationship with fitness now, and it's like, I used to use it to run away from me, even though I was running towards me, I was just Mm. resisting the path. Right. Like, I'm like, Oh, I'll do it. I got to, Nope. I got to do it harder. I got to make it hurt more. I got to, I, I got, I can't do it in silence. I can't, right. It was just all these like little things that would add up over time. And I missed the whole part of the point, which is like, this is just a way to connect with myself. Yeah. Like, it's just the way to be right. Like yeah. just to like, I'm gifted with this beautiful F1 race car that can win any single race. And I'm never going to get another one, but like, I need to get to know it. Right. Like yeah. I need to know how it works. Like I need to know how the pedals work and how it responds in the cold and in the rain and in the wet and when it's tired and I really got to understand it if I want to use it. And I, and I feel like that's for me what fitness is now, because I feel like running, for example, I have the most love, love relationship with it, even though the information I find in it isn't even always so lovely. Yeah. Right. It's like, but I can't hide from it. Right. Like it's the moment I walk out this office door in that mountain range and I'm like, Hey, I'm running for 50 minutes. And that doesn't mean fast. That doesn't mean slow. It means whatever keeps me moving. And I'm three minutes in and I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, you should go back to the office. Like you got this to do and this to do. And I'm like, uh, 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 oh I'm going to find you. Right. I and so like, know that little conversation, right. <laughs> right? That conversation. And, and, you know, I, um, I feel like that's what it is for me now. It's, it's really, it's like this, it's like this hyper fast awareness into who I am in that moment. Mm. like to how I feel about myself to like how I'm relating to the world about how I'm relating to myself like my relationship with running 
is directly correlated to like my relationship with my emotions and myself. Because like, if you asked me on my dream day, like what it would look like, like it would be a morning run in Montana every morning. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, but if that's my dream day and I wake up this morning and I'm having resistance to it, there's an invitation for me there. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm like, this is my dream. This is what I said. And it's directly in front of me. Like I'm lacing up my shoes as we speak. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I said I wanted. <laughs> And now it's directly in front of me. I don't want it. Well, I, I, have, a, <laughs> I have a different conversation to be had, right? And like, mm. for me, what I love about that is it's like an oxygen eradicator for my own yeah. excuses because it just forces me to be really honest with myself. Mm. And I love that relationship, like, because I love thinking about the days where I'm like, God, I just don't feel it today. I'm just going to go walk slowly up that mountain and I start going and then I sprint and PR my time. <laughs> and then I think about the other days where I'm like, God, I feel so good today. I'm going to put like two hours in on the pavement. Mm -hmm. I'm going to PR. Right. And then I get a half a mile in and I start crying and I realize I jog for an hour, bawling my eyes out. And then I feel better. Right. <sighs> what I think is it more important now, like for me, and I know I'm kind of like on a monologue here, but it's, it's really just not having a relationship with it from a lens of perfection, but having a relationship yeah. with it in a lens of consistency. Mm. Right. Oh, like I love not, that. So not important. What it looks like, mm -hmm. it's that I just look at it every day. Yeah. Right. And so, like, for me, that's 20 minutes outside every day, irregardless of weather. Right. And that for me, and I make it a minimum. And that doesn't mean running or sprinting. That means in that 20 minutes, when I decide, and my shoes go on my feet, whatever pair of shoes I chose, whether they were hiking shoes or running shoes or street shoes or whatever, mm -hmm. and whatever my body feels is what that 20 minutes gets. Yeah. And if I protect that every day, it's kind of hard to lose the game because the amount of times that 20 minutes turns into 40 or 60 or clarity or, you know, excitement about something else. I just, I feel like that's been the most powerful part for me is like really prioritizing that physical relationship with my body because it by force creates an emotional relationship and mm. like a spiritual relationship and this presence and this awareness of like what's happening in it and why is it sore and why does that ache and like let's not, not just pretend that's okay like that's my check engine light like why is it coming on right like I feel like it just by force creates this massive environmental design that's like, hey, if you really want this, like if you value this thing that you swear that you love, that you're working your life away because you want more time, money, and freedom to enjoy it, that you take the time to check in with it to make sure that when that finish line that yeah. you think you're chasing is achieved, that you have the physicality and the life inside of you to enjoy it. Yeah. Right? Like you're I, not getting I, there anyway. To that you're not. Line. <laughs> right. And I think, and I think for me, it's like, oh, I got it. Like every moment's the finish line, like Ooh. this one and the next one. Right. And I'm like, okay, got it. So it's just, it's just about playing every day. And I think for me, that's what, that's what, that's what fitness is for me now. It's just a place where, like, no matter what, it's like, no matter what's happening in the world, it's a direct plug into myself. Yeah. As long as I'm willing to look at it. Do you remember when that switch happened? When it became. I, drastically I, mm. I drastically remember I remember <laughs> it was on a hike here it's probably oh. four years ago and it wasn't this like massive moment it wasn't anything it was when like this collection of ideas and understandings collapsed and made sense to me and I'm going to tell you exactly what happened 
So I'm very intense, right? Like I've tied mm. world records. I'm a, com- I'm a competitive athlete. Like if I, if, if I see red and I want that red, I'm going to get that red. And like, you know, that's the goal. Right. And, um, so even when it came to my fitness and I would say that I was more intentional with it, like wanting to protect the vessel of my vehicle, like mm. not abusing it, not anything, I would get tricky with myself and set these agendas that fit into the bucket of like self-care, right? So like yeah. when I would start to go hike the mountain, right? No matter what, I could not look at my watch and check it at the markers knowing my time hacks, even when my goal was like just to go hike, right? So yeah. I, I couldn't break the habit. Yeah. And and it was really like I was starting to resent it because it just always felt like agendized and yeah, more pressure than this. Yeah, just, just just mm. like way, 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 way more pressure. And and I was sitting in this office and and even my, my entire life is set up by design. Like my mm. office, when I open that back door within six steps, I'm staring at entire Glacier National Park in the Swan Mountain Range. And oh, my wow. favorite hiking trail is literally a three minute drive from my office and it includes about 7,000 miles of national park. And so I literally have my whole life designed to like, I get access to it no matter Mm -hmm. what. And I do that. So when I'm having off moments, I'll never forget. I had a really, really off day and um, my whole calendar got cleared and I just like, didn't have the capacity to go home. And I was like, just go hike, Mm -hmm. just go hike. And I was a wreck and I literally, and I keep everything. Like I'm looking at it. It's eight feet away, my weight vest, my bear spray and my hiking rig. Oh my gosh, my bear shoe. spray. Sorry. Yeah. I live in, I live in grizzly country. Right? It's not, so, a, not an Australian thing. Yeah. And uh, it's right there. So I literally laced up and went and, and I'll just never forget because it wasn't anything, but I just got there and I got to the top of the mountain. Right. And I know the route. I do it all the time. But when I got to the top of the mountain, I was sitting up there and I had like a good tier. And I felt relief. And then I realized that I didn't take my time. I didn't know how quick I got up there. I don't even remember hiking up there, but I felt amazing. And it just like hit me. And it was like, I just had this moment of clarity. I was like, holy shit. Like there is no race like whatsoever for Mm. me. And I'm telling you, and this is the craziest part. That clarity came, I'd say like three years ago. But then the beginning of this year, and I'm not going to joke about this. It's September 13th. Now in January of this year, I was 68 pounds heavier than I am now. Oh, wow. And I've had this up and down relationship with weight my whole Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of this year, it all made sense because even at the end of last year, I was like, okay, I'm going to achieve this running goal. I'm going to achieve this fitness goal. And at the beginning of the year, I was like, they're all out the window. They're in the trash. I don't care anymore. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Every morning, I'm going to do my same stillness practice, right? I wake up at 6 a.m. I walk barefoot out in the grass and I look at my horses in the pasture over the mountain. It's the most beautiful thing every day. And then I ask myself two questions and I'm not joking. How do I want to train today? And how do I want to eat today? And I ask myself that every single morning and I only do whatever comes up. And so the one irregardless is 10,000 steps a day, no matter whether I walk it, run it, jog it, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just bare minimum. And then whatever comes up in that moment. And I align myself with that. But when I choose it, I'm like, this is it today, right? This is it. There's no agenda. There's no finish line. You said a 30 minute run, go. You said, go lift today. You said, go play racquetball. And instead of doing it by force, I just aligned like that. And since then I can now say I'm 40 years old. uh, Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my life, I have a six pack. Uh, I'm in the best shape of my life. 
last week, I decided to strength test myself and I haven't lifted a dumbbell or a barbell over maybe a hundred pounds and I'm stronger than I've ever been. Wow. My cardio is through the roof. And if I think about it in a week, I think I equilaterally choose about two to three cardio, runny, outdoor hikey activities, yeah. like two to three, like lifting cardio activities and then like two to three fun outdoor activities, like kind of spread around with weights in between. Yeah. And it's just this really random spread. But if I look wow. at it in like a month, those run days, I'm like, you know, somewhere between three and six miles. And so if I track it, I'm still getting many, many miles in, but like some days I'm like, God, I just feel like going on a seven mile hike today and I'll do that. And that'll be my run for three days. And then I'll go lift. And, and I've just taken this very like intuitive, what does my body feel like? And so even today, yesterday I, I was feeling, it. I did three workouts yesterday. Wow. I just, I just kept feeling it. And then I got done and uh, I burnt 2,200 calories yesterday. And so I had to eat and compensate. And then I woke up this morning. I was like, oh, my body, my body feels a little bit sore. And I opened my whoop and my whoop's like, you're fully recovered, go. And I was like, no. So came to the office this morning and I went on a three hour walk. I mean, a three mile walk in nature, slow. Like I'm talking slow, slow. And that was it for today. And that's it. And so it's just this very like intuitive approach to my body. And so I go out in nature every morning, no matter where I am, Bali will be no different. Dallas was no different. And whatever I feel like, I feel like, and I just go with it. How do you, how do you do that in a structured way? Do you do it? Do you have like yep. two two hours set aside in a day that is to do all, to do yep. these kinds so of things? So here's here's what I, I'm so glad you asked this. So I'll give I have to give like an entrepreneurial answer because I'll paint the picture. So I have a model that I use that I made for myself for my daily activities. Right, consider yep. it like my daily requirements to survive as a human being. Right. I make these for me and my clients who are all entrepreneurs, right? But in mine, I break them down into four buckets, my mind, my body, Mm -hmm. my state of being, and my business. Yeah. And then under each bucket, there are clear measurable items, right? Mm -hmm. My business is the three core needle movers, right? So in my mind is my stillness practice. Mm -hmm. It is my um, meditation and it is my consumption of personal development. Mm -hmm. In my state of being practice, it is personal development exercises, future self journaling, mm-hmm. and some stretchy stuff there. In my body, it is physical movement, intentional nutrition, and then sleep. And so I have something measurable in each one, right? So for okay. me, I made a model that I call the wedge of expectations. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut straight to the chase with this one, and I'm going to give a life lesson. So I referenced earlier that I attempted to take my life and, and, yeah. and people ask me why things make sense to me now. Well, when I was in Afghanistan, after that happened years later and I lost my father and I'd seen what I'd seen, I had this moment of clarity where I realized I didn't want to die. Mm. I really was scared to die. I, I really yeah. didn't want to take my life or else I would have, I would have used a gun. Like there was something in me, mm. but I didn't realize that I was lying to myself every day because I was choosing a slow, painful death because I wasn't living. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't living because I was letting these emotions dictate my decision. That's not living. That's yeah. dying and being yeah. a slave. Yeah. And so I had to get really, really honest with myself, right? And I was like, okay, cool. And so this is what I did. I was like, all right, well, you know you want to live. So you got to cut the oxygen out of that one and you got some responsibility. So I asked myself two questions and I said, in each one of these areas, right? So in my stillness practice, and I was like, mm-hmm. on my dream day, paint the picture. I have a hundred million dollars in the bank. I live in my property. I do everything. What's my ideal stillness practice. And I'm like, 
30 minutes. That is my dream. Like just 30 minutes of stillness every morning plugs me in. Right. And so I go through each behavior and I design my dream. Right. So for my physical fitness, my dream is at least 90 minutes of physical fitness a day, right. Mm -hmm. With my personal development consumption, it's an hour. I -hmm. have a measurable ceiling. I call that the ceiling for everyone. Mm -hmm. Then I ask myself the hard question. And I say on my absolute worst day, when I walk out of my house, my dog gets run over. My mm-hmm. business partner steals my wife, my bank account, and leaves me homeless with my two kids. And I realize I don't want to die. But I know that these behaviors are guaranteed to move me closer to my goal. What yeah. is the minimum I can commit to on that day? Okay. And that I call the floor. Tricky question. And so, Because <laughs> that's like when people get... drop the ball, isn't it? Like, like we often say this on the podcast for the running. When shit uh-huh. is going down in your life, you go, I don't have time to run today because shit's going down. And the only reason is because everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm, And the only benefit to the military is they punch us in the face a hundred times before we go on deployment. So we know what to do. Mm -hmm. We don't know what to do because what ends up happening is we make the plan in our conscious parasympathetic brain. Mm -hmm. And then when we are emotionally triggered, our sympathetic brain takes over and our reticular activating system only tunes into trauma. So every plan that you had that you thought about that wasn't written down and directly in front of you is out the window. Exactly. And the only thing you see is more red based on what you have, which is where this model came from. So for my stillness practice, it is a minimum of five minutes. For my Mm -hmm. fitness, it's a minimum of a 10 minute walk outside, irregardless of weather. Yeah. For my breath work on my dream, it's an hour on my minimum, it's five minutes. And so my goal every day is to hit my floors. And if I hit my floors every single day, I win. So if you look at my calendar and you look at my schedule, my schedule, I know my core needle movers in my business. So Mm -hmm. in my calendar, my morning time has that chunk of time. The time is protected. What I do in the time depends on what feels best in that moment. Yeah, And so I allow myself that leeway. And so I don't measure in days. I don't measure in weeks. I don't measure in to-dos. I measure in outcomes. And for me, the consistency and flexing the muscle and using it intentionally is way better than not using it or putting it off, right? Mm -hmm. And there is no tomorrow. Like my uh, friend of mine wrote a book called The Little Book of Clarity. It's on toxic thinking, right? I'll start on Monday. I'll do it next week. There is no freaking next week. It's It's, just now. It's now, right? Like it's, It's like, If you're upset and you're watching Netflix that you're not happy with your weight, hit pause and go for a 20-minute walk and watch it on your phone. It's called habit stacking. It works, right? Like there's always this this kind of way. And so for me, what I realize is these moments where I know my physical health is important to me, right? Like I know I want to be here and do double backflips with my great-great-grandkids. I want to be doing those things, right? It's just in moments when things get hard, I don't remember. Yeah. And then when I don't remember, I make reactive decisions that make it harder for me to do the thing that I can't remember. And so it's really just about having a plan, but also setting yourself up to win Mm. because we end up moving the starting line on ourselves, right? Because if we think about it, we'll be seven days into a running routine and then we'll look at the calendar because we had an off day and we're like, shit, I don't have an hour. I'll go tomorrow instead of being like, you know what? I'll just go for 10 minutes Yeah. because when we move it till tomorrow, tomorrow doesn't come. And then mm. once that momentum is broken, it's hard to get back on. But if instead of being like, well, screw it, instead of protecting perfection, let's protect progress. Mm-hmm. Let's just go for 10 minutes or let's go for 15 or let's reprioritize. 
we're just giving ourselves the tools to remember what's important to us when we can't, when things yeah. are upset or when things are overwhelming. And so for me, what I thought about as an entrepreneur, for me and all the entrepreneurs I coach, is I'm like, what are those behaviors that if done every day, irregardless of where they're applied to, will have a benefit no matter what happens? And for me, that happened to be with my mind, my body, my being, and my business. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm at 9.30 at night and this really, really happens, and I'm way behind in my day because a client had a meltdown and my account got shut down, right? And I'm sitting on my couch and I open my sacred lightkeeper quadrants, that's what I call them, my sacred lightkeeper quadrants for the oh. day, and I check them every night. And it's 930 and I feel like shit. And I look at it and I'm like, yeah. And I didn't hit my floor for my movement today. Number one, I know why I feel like shit. Yeah. Number two is I know directly in front of me that I'm choosing to not take the path to my success. And so I stand up, I put my shoes on and I walk my happy ass outside and I go walk for 20 minutes. Awesome. And I have until 1159 PM every single night to hit that list and in integrity. And here's the hardest part. And this is the part that I didn't like. That piece of paper is a guaranteed roadmap to my success if I follow it, irregardless of how mm -hmm. I feel. Mm -hmm. Winning the game comes down to, am I going to do it more often than not when I don't feel like it? And that's where that. the game is won. There's, there's different personalities too. Like I've just, um, I'm almost up into a year of a streak running. Like I've run yeah. every single day. I've mm. done at least two kilometers, but I mean, I'm I training for that. ultras and stuff. So I don't yeah. just do two Ks, but when I've like, I've got a cold at the moment, so I'm being nice to myself and mostly just doing two Ks for this week, Which but I'm doing important. it every day. But my personality, I'm, you know, when we were kids, uh, we talk about star charts here in Australia. I don't know if they do that yep. in America, but, you know, to try and get kids to establish really good behaviors and things like that. Um, I have in my office at home at the moment, I'm traveling as well. Um, I have a little thing, a chart where I tick it all off. And that really works for me. You know, yep. so personality wise, that reward for yep. seeing that clicked off every day and go, being able to look up there and go, oh, you know, I'm up to whatever I am now, 335 or something yep. um, days in a row is, yep. you know, I get a reward when I look up and, and see that. So I wonder, um, are there other, are there some people that doesn't work for that kind of? No, it's reward? a human thing. I mean, like mm. I, everybody should go follow Andrew Huberman if you don't, but pick oh, Andrew Oh, I Huberman. love him. He's awesome. Pick pick James Clear, pick human psychology, yeah. pick cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive yeah. processing. It all comes down to the same thing. The consistency, mm -hmm. like the atomic habits and the momentum mm -hmm. is actually where confidence comes from, right? Confidence, confidence is a byproduct of consistency, which mm -hmm. builds confidence. And that confidence in the consistency is what keeps you going. That's mm -hmm. what everybody calls motivation. That's yeah. what motivation is. It's when your consistency matches your workout and you have confidence in it. Not that it's going to work every time, but that you have a play and you'll execute it till it works. That's mm -hmm. where motivation comes from. It's when you can see that your math equation has yeah. the ability to equal the result, right? Or that your recipe might taste like that at the end, right? Mm -hmm. And I and I think that that's what it boils down to, right? Because I even think about this, right? Like I struggled, I struggled with fitness and weight for so long, but that's like me saying the fork made me fat. Yeah. No, it didn't. Yeah. It's that in that moment, I was disempowered and felt helpless over the ability to put that fork in my mouth because I didn't have another choice. I didn't have willpower. I didn't have a backup. And for whatever reason, right? But 
we overcomplicate the process so much because mm. I, I use this to teach a business lesson all the time when it comes to customer journey, but you think about it and it's like, if I have two clients and they both want to lose a hundred pounds, right? And client A comes to me and I'm like, all right, client A, here's your workouts, your supplements, your meal plan, your camera, your gym membership, and your plan. Do this every day and I'll see you in 12 months, right? Yeah. And then client B comes in and I'm like, hey, we got a year together. None of this matters. All we're going to do is drink 16 ounces of water tonight and we're going to go for a walk for 10 minutes a day for the next week. And we're going to do this every day for the next 12 months and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Only one of them is going to lose the weight, going to keep it off, going to build the habit, going to build the momentum. And the other one's not. Yeah. Right. And and this really boils down to a game of consistency and, and a hard life lesson that I learned. It wasn't that I didn't know the path to success. Mm-mm-mm-mm. It's that self-sabotage gave me the illusion of control, because when you think about it, mm-hmm. success is a game of inputs and outputs. Right. If I really want to look a certain way. I measure my macros, I plan it out, I eat it, mm. I move my body, I sleep and I rest. Yeah. It's crystal clear and on paper. If I want to get better at running and I want to go from couch to 5K, I can follow a crystal clear 12-week plan and I will finish a 5K no matter what yeah. if I follow it. Yeah. So it's never about that we don't know how to get there. Especially in this day and age too. Like the, exactly. the knowing how to do it, there's too much information almost. For me, and this is only for me, it was that I had a fear of what happened when I achieved it because I didn't know who I was without the story of having to chase something. Uh, Right. On the podcast, sorry, George, uh, I often ask, you know, what is your motivation? And some people, some of the runners, you know, their motivation is the next event to run faster, to tick off more mountains, to tick off more whatever's and others yeah. you know their motivation is more intrinsic and, and less result orientated as well and I wonder whether the ones who are result orientated won't run for as long in their you life know, I, for I, example I, I, until I it changes every, I think everybody's a little unique right but I I talk to entrepreneurs that's what I do every single day mm. but I feel like I have perspective now like I feel like anything in life is that there's two ways to learn one is you believe the lesson in front of you and you skip the pain or two, you ignore the lesson in front of you, you learn through the pain and then you accept the lesson eventually, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those two, right? And so like, even when it comes down to like, there's no destination, if you yeah. told me that five years ago, I would have taken you to court convincing you there was. Now <laughs> I, would, I would chuckle with you and I'd make fun of myself for what I used to say. And I'm like, God, you're so right. Oh man, yeah. I know, right? Yeah. And so I, I, I think- I think for everybody, it's interesting. And for me, you know, if I have to pick something for somebody to have an agenda with, physical fitness will be one of them. Yeah. Uh, since I think it's one of the greatest, most underutilized tools that humanity has for regulating the nervous system, emotion, mm-hmm. stress, therapy, mm-hmm. adrenal release, cortisol release, all that Just stuff. Everything. Just to name a few. Um, <laughs> you know, I have an entire theory on why, but that's a different thing. Um, but I, I really, really think that, uh, you know, I can only speak for me and I I've always had, you know, motivations and I spoke to some of them earlier. I had motivations to work out, to prove to myself that Mm. I was capable, right. I had motivations to work out, to process an emotion, right? Like I have all these different motivations and I think really, irregardless of why I think our intention is what's important and and Mm. it's not changing it, right. It's not like, oh, well, I was going to work out today because I just wanted to punish myself. So now I'm going to change it. No, it's the moment that you see it, you already changed it. It's just having an awareness to make sure that like you're honoring this, right? It's like, 
if, if you're like in a race and in your body is the race car and you're in third place and you're on the final lap and you're going a little slow and you need a pep talk, you're not going to grab a sledgehammer and go smash the thing and tell it to mm-hmm. win the race. Mm-hmm. You're going to honor it. And you're gonna be like, Hey, I know there's just a little bit left in there. You're going to find it. And even if you don't, you're going to be okay. Right. But we don't take exactly. that same approach to ourselves. Yeah. And we got to remember like physical fitness for me, like the motivation is to develop a really, really integrous relationship with myself. Like the physicality of my body is the greatest thing that I have. The more aware of it I am, the better I can exist in this space, the better mm. I can function, the better I can use it, the longer it will last me, the more I take care of it, the better everything gets. Like it's the only thing that I have. It's very, very important. It's there, there in my is, brain. It's the there only is, thing. <laughs> there, there is nothing, right? And like, here, yeah. here's the thing too, like biologically we're the only mammals that do not have like a built-in release process for adrenaline and stress like if you watch an antelope mm-hmm. after it gets attacked or a gazelle after it gets attacked by a lion and it escapes it literally shivers instantly and then stops and then starts eating grass it shakes it out of its body yeah, just relaxes it what people don't understand about human beings is like the reason people rebound or that every piece of research that you study tells you to sweat for at least 10 to 15 to 20 minutes a day is because that is the human body's only actual natural built-in tool to regulate stress and emotion and to release your adrenals and regulate your cortisol. And it just so happens if you do it outside, you get other benefits. And so like, you know, for me, like, I feel like if you're given DNA, you almost should be required to be physically fit every day. Yeah. But we have this thing called free will and free choice. And I think it's because people don't realize the consequences of there is no tomorrow and you don't get this back. Yeah. Like it's a compounding interest that is only ever furthermore depleting. Mm-hmm. It's never buying back. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I just think whatever your motivation or reason is, if you find one and I don't care if it's an addiction, I'm going to want you to take it anyways, because eventually we'll turn it. But at least we have one that's supporting you regardless. And it just so happens that sweating regulates your emotions and your nervous system. And I've yet to meet somebody who's in the most emotionally unhealthy state and then go for a run and never come back and be like, I feel better. They always yeah. do. Yeah. And then it, they come back. It, it yeah. goes so far beyond the physical that, yeah. you know, and you, you said lots of physical things that happen then and touched on some of the, the other things that go on, but it's so well, much more than just the physical. Well, and, well, for me, and the reason I said that is because like, if you use an addiction, the physicality of it mm. will eventually force the levels below it. But like, what I love about it is that like, when I'm not in a good mind space, like this morning, I had a lot of trouble sleeping last night. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of stuff coming up. I have like a four day international travel trip coming yeah. up. Right. And I woke up this morning and I was not, my mind was not feeling, you know, those steps and those things. And even when I yeah. asked my body's like, just take it easy. Right. But then here's, what's funny. The moment I got on the treadmill. Right. And I just yeah. walked really lightly today, 3.3 miles an hour. Right. I did three, 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 mm-hmm. uh, three incline, 3.3. And that's what I did because it felt right. And, but about three to four minutes in, I noticed that my physical body was sore, but starting to warm up and my mindset started to become really, really happy. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that I did this. And I was like, oh, isn't it funny how you almost convinced yourself you shouldn't. And then, so for me, it's another one of those like environmental designs to where like, I've become a victim of my own rumination so much in my life mm-hmm. that I realized that the solution is always action first. Yeah. 
And so if I can build in these mechanisms or these protective measures that always give me a plan or a workout that's aligned with who I want to be in the future, mm -hmm. and there is a minimum dose and a maximum dose that I can choose from, I can't lose the game. And so the second part of that model is another model that I teach my clients called the SOS model. Yeah. And this is basically for map of better terms. If, if you were to take it, you yourself, Michelle, and set a goal and you're like, okay, for my mindset, I go out five years into the future and this is who I want to be. This is what I want to think. And you build three mindset practices, then like mm -hmm. three physical body practices, three states of being practices and three needle movers. Yeah. And you put those on paper. There's a very clear way to see if you do those things every single day, that yeah. you're going to get there. Right. Take my so boxes. <laughs> When you, rem when you look at that on paper and we see that, and then we think about, well, if we know that, why don't we don't do it? Well, then we add the human experience inside of it, mm -hmm. right? Which is mm -hmm. emotions and all the noise in the world. Yeah. And if we think about most of those, whatever triggers us, typically whatever triggers us causes a reaction. And we go looking for some semblance of a reminder to get back to one of these things that we mapped out on paper. Mm -hmm. We lose the game with how long we get lost in this yeah. shit. Yeah. And then this is the worst part. We get lost in this shit because we figure out how to fix it. But before we do the how, we ask why it happened. Yeah. Oh, and what's <laughs> so funny is that the why is getting in the way of actually mitigating it. And so yeah. then I was like, okay, well, if I know these behaviors, I have these three in their business, this in their mind, their body, and their state of being. If at any point in your day, you're off. And I'm like, hey, did you do those things and you haven't done them? I promise you, if you go do one of them, it will help you feel better, right? Yeah. And so then I was like, okay, what's next? I'm like, oh, got it. So I made the SOS model. And the SOS models for when I get triggered. Yeah. So I have a path to get back to one of those behaviors without needing anybody in between. Mm -hmm. And so I break it down into three buckets. There's the inner tools, mm -hmm. which I draw this as a bullseye, the inner tools. Yeah. Then there's the inner circle and then there's the outer circle or the outer tools, right? Yeah. So the inner tools is anything that you have access to immediately for a state change. Mm -hmm. yep. Breath work, dancing, breathing, yelling, walking outside, sex, anger release, you name it. Whatever yep. you do. Change of state. That changes state, right? Mm -hmm. You list those out one to five in order of effectiveness, yep. right? For you. Number one for me is always breath work. Number two is always outside of nature, right? Like I know mine so yep. detailed. Number three is a specific song that I have anchored, right? So I literally write inner tools and I label them out one through five. And then at the top, I write, set a timer for five minutes. When complete, if not through, call number one in inner circle. So that's how the inner tools are done. So mm -hmm. then the inner circle, you list up to nine people, and this is important, nine people that hold you accountable to your potential that do not believe your story. Okay. And so these people are my business partners, my confidence, my friends. And yeah. so they know that if I ever text them or call them with the word lighthouse, that something's happening and I need a reminder to come back. They also yes. know of my inner tools and they also know of what I do in my life. And so yes. here's the scenario and why this matters. I was in this office one day and I had two uh, sales calls back to back to close two separate $100,000 consulting deals. And they were both mm -hmm. yeses already. These were collection calls. And about a half an hour before I got on those calls, I got an email from my attorney saying that we had just lost a trademark lawsuit and the bill was like insurmountable. And my business partner 
in that company has a wife and three kids who just bought a new ranch and car and I don't pull money from that company, but this was on me. I couldn't get a hold of anybody, didn't do anything, got on those two business calls, was not in a good place. Both mm. of them pulled the deal from me. No. So it was about $240,000 and then had a meltdown when they both said no. So I called my wife, panting, hyperventilating breakdown. And all she says is, did you call the attorney? And I'm like, no. Mm. I hung up the phone. I called the attorney. And he picked up. He said, I can't call, talk now, but if it's about that thing, I handled it already. You don't have to pay anything. It was a misunderstanding. You're good. And he hung well. up on me. <laughs> and I realized that for that three hours, I caused $240,000 of emotional damage based mm -hmm. on a false emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this can never happen again. And so this SOS model was made. So there's the inner tools then yeah. the inner circle, and then the outer tools are outer circle. And the outer tools are outer circles are resources that you don't think you need often, but you always forget to collect in one place. Oh, that's mm -hmm. my attorney. That's my accountant. That's the content guy. It's just a tool chest. Think of it as your yellow pages. And so in your phone, open up the notes section and mm -hmm. the, the, the pinned note is SOS. And when you open it, it lists all of those out. And then I screenshot it and it's the background of my phone. And then in my messages, awesome. yeah. the top nine in my iMessages are those nine people that I look at 300 times a day. So even if I don't have to text them, I see them every time I open my text messages. And so then if I'm in my office and I'm like, okay, cool, here's my workout today. Here's my run plan. Here's my mm -hmm. mindset. And I'm sitting here and I'm ruminating. I'm like, shit, I got to SOS it. So I set a timer and I have five minutes to get through the tools. And if I don't find my way back, to one of those workouts, I have to call one of those people. And I have to say, hey, I'm stuck here. I'm not doing this thing that I said I wanted to do that I told you I wanted to do. And here's the thing that I'm not doing. Can you please help me? And at that point, I'm embarrassed. So most of the time, I don't pick up the phone. I put my <laughs> running shoes on and I walk my happy house out the back door. And I'm like, I'll tell them later, right? And, and yeah. to your point earlier, this game is one when we have evidence collection to see our progress and to see mm. our momentum, right? Mm -hmm. This game is not one when we look at what's in front of us that feels insurmountable because we also forget that the better we get, the bigger the gap and the longer the time to get the breakthrough. Like when you get to the point of running a mm. two hour and 47 minute marathon and you want to drop two minutes off that marathon, it's going to take you a year and a half to two years Whereas four years ago, you dropped 45 minutes in a year. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's this, there's this line that comes from. And so there's this incredible book from Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan called The, Cap in the, the Gap in the Game. Mm -hmm. And it's a book for entrepreneurs, but I think it's one of the most incredible lessons for human beings in general too. It's like, it's really easy when we get stuck and overwhelmed to be like, oh, I know I said I wanted to lose the weight, but I still have 20 pounds to go, mm. right? Or I still have two minutes to drop, or there's still 74 miles left this week, right? It, it almost feels insurmountable. But the moment I pause you for a minute and I turn around and I'm like, yeah, but do you remember a year ago when you couldn't run a mile? Yeah. yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, ah, oh, poop, right? It's just perspective. <laughs> it's about remembering, right? Yeah. And so I, I think... I think I'm just obsessed with the simplicity of it. And the reason I love fitness so much or running or any of it is it's just like this guaranteed effective tool. It if is. If I utilize it and I protect it and I honor it for what it is. There's that understanding, just the same side of the, the, well, the opposite side of the coin of what you were just saying too. When you, when you actually get to those goals, 
that goal is no longer important anymore too. There's the transient nature of, you know, when you do hit your fastest marathon or your whatever it is with, with your running goals and that's no longer important within seconds, whatever it is, minutes, um, because you, it's so transient, you can't hold on to it. And so there was something about, to me, falling in love with the journey Yeah, that's really important because yeah. those goals, as much as it's important to have them for many of us to motivate us to to keep those consistent practices, they actually, um, when you get there to that goal, it's not the thing that keeps you going because you're already there. It's not going to yeah. get you to the next goal. Um, yeah. Well, like, let's be honest, man. When I'm like, when I'm training for a race and I'm in the thick of it, right. And I'm like pushing myself at like peak week and I'm like, boom. And I'm pushing no part of me is like, I'm doing this cause I'm going to win the race. Yeah. No, there's a part of me. I'm like, there's a part of me that just forgets. I love the process. Right. Yeah. Like that. You know, yeah. like this is, this is what it's, what it's really, really all about. Right. Like it's, and I, I, and I love accomplishments. I love achievements. Right. The weird thing for me is like telling my life now I tell, I told somebody this the other day, what it feels like is I've read a collection of short stories. And mm-hmm. when you ask me questions about my life, I'm just reading from a book or answering yeah. from a book. But I think that that's what it's about because I used to be like, oh my God, like I used to hang my identity that I was like a competitive CrossFitter or I made it here or I tied that world record. And I'm like, well, you know what's so cool is like I did those things. Like mm-hmm. those are like cool songs I have in my arsenal that are like always in the jukebox, but they were never like who I am. Like they're not going on my headstone. Like, I'm not going to be like tied the world record into that. Like, no, I don't want anybody to remember me for that. That was something I did for me to find me, to see what I was capable of to like, wow, you can do that. Right. It's like, I think it's just like remembering the nature. And like, I'm reminded because my son is six going on seven and I learn more from him more than he learns from me. And like his relationship with fitness and just playing and being able to move his body and free and flip. And I'm like, that's what this is all about. Right. It's like, having that relationship. So we have that awareness again with our bodies, like our kids do and, and having that ability to play with them and use them. And I think fitness is probably one of the most effective tools for adults to incite play in a way that's almost masked as a cool thing adults do to have your physical health, but we're getting you to play again. We're getting mm. you to be in your body again. We're getting you to be connected to the things that matter you and your body and the world moving. Like, I just think it's so powerful. What do you think you'd be missing in your life now? Had you not suddenly decided that running was an awesome thing in your world yeah you know i i i feel like i what i'd be missing what's it giving you put in a positive yeah it, and 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 it's it's a great it's a great question because uh, like i'll be blunt i i have a love love hate love relationship with fitness and running and, and all of it because also there's a there's a other side to this without fitness, my body doesn't function, Mm. right? Like Mm -hmm. if I don't use it, I lose it. Like I have a cane and a wheelchair and handicap plates in my car. And I don't know, feeling in my legs from the knee down and I'm not supposed to be able to walk. And the thing for me is that there's also other times that I feel like I'm a slave to it because without Mm -hmm. it, I can't function, Mm -hmm. but there's times I'm tired and just want to take a day off or, you know, do it. So I have this really interesting perspective with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like I'd have nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like what it is is a constant reminder of what matters and 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 I'm really big on meaning and like I think about you know the last you know six months of my life or three months of my life for the things that I'm going to reflect back on and I just can't think of a moment where I'm ever going to be upset that I took care of my body 
and it allowed me to mm. function better or be here longer or play more. But I can think of millions of instances where I could be like, God, I wish I trained that day or I wish I stretched or I wish I ate better. Or I wish I slept more. Right. Like, and I've yet to find a shred of evidence to not choose those things because they're so aligned with what I want and what matters. And so mm. I feel like I'd be lost because it feels like the fastest path to have a safe relationship with myself. It feels like one of the most effective tools, bonding mechanisms, uh, places to connect with me and nature to know my body. Like I, I, I feel like I would have, I would, I would struggle knowing myself um, because I, I, I don't have outlets like many other people do. And, and because of my life of survival, everything was always about figuring things out on the move. And, and what I love about fitness and, and that is like, it's just this pursuit of possibility and yeah. it's unlimited potential. Like I think about all the time, like I was on a run the other day. I'm like, maybe I should do an ultra. I'm like, you don't want to do a fucking ultra. Like, come on, dude. And then I'm like, but you could. Right. And it's like, I think it's fun to dance with that curiosity. And I feel like it keeps me childlike at heart. And I love the fact that like, I'm 40 years old, but I literally feel like I could outrun a six-year-old. I know I, I physically that. can't, but like, I feel like that belief yeah. is that thing that it keeps that spark, that, that aliveness, like, and then, and those moments, like those moments where I'm like, God, I did that. Like, Jesus, like, to think that I'm 40 and I've experienced the pain that I've experienced and the trauma that I've experienced, and I'm in better shape in some areas than I was when I was physically healthy and uninjured. Like, that's crazy. And it's like, I don't know. It's like, I feel like we get issued this sculpture and we're like, you can make your own David and you just have to take care of it. And you can sculpt it into this machine that like accomplishes like anything that you want it to accomplish. So I don't know. I just feel like people are missing if they don't have it. I feel like it should be something that's taught at school a bit like brushing your teeth is. Well, it you know, is. And that it becomes our, every our day. Our son's schooling was chosen because of that. He's in an all outdoor school. Oh, I love that. So like as a part of their curriculum, they do regular school curriculum, but they also have to have a garden. They have animals. They go on walks and do yoga every day. And they incorporate mindset and mindfulness and physical tools oh, as well as into education. And so like, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge for us. I mean, like, Here's the thing, like it's it's saddening to me because like if you go look at uh United States, like physical education commercials from like the 1950s, people thought they were boot camp. They weren't. That was standard gym. Like you're gonna be in shape, you're gonna take care of your body because you're gonna go physically work, not you're gonna be on Wally -E, addicted to your fat ass phone, delivering everything at your convenience so that you're malleable, right? Like and I'm like, God, like, where is that? And it's, it's even crazy now too. Like, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but like, I find it shocking that like, I'm 40 years old. And then people are like, they think it's crazy that I'm in shape like this rather than like celebrating the fact that I'm in shape like this. Like why I'm, I'm is it 53 like, and a mother of five and I'm in yeah, shape like this. <laughs> I, no, no, I know, I know you are, but like, and I'm sure you see it. <laughs> I know, but I'm sure you hear it. They're like, I can't believe you run as a grandmother. I can't believe you do that yeah. with five kids. Like, why is the standard belief that like physical healthiness is unachievable or something crazy instead of like the norm? It's crazy. I mean, I, I talk to people and most, a lot of my friends are runners and I speak to lots of people on the podcast. So the people that I surround myself with tend to be more like me. But yes, outside of that sphere, I do hear those. I comments. think it's interesting because I live in a completely different world that is all entrepreneurs, mm. which is funny yeah. because 
physicality is like one of the hidden secrets to being good, but yet it is the number one thing that they all sacrifice. Exactly. So true. Right. So yeah. like, I, I feel like, I, like you're in the world, but like even hearing this, like I hear from them, they're like, how do you work out? Like, I don't have time. I'm like, you don't have time not to. Exactly. It's that's more true than anything you've said. <laughs> it's actually, like, you actually and, don't have time not to. And, and my, my buddy, Alex Sharfin says this so eloquently and I could never say it better, but he says, he says this to entrepreneurs all the time. He says, you don't have the business you want because you haven't become the person to run it. Ah, I love that. And like in the personal, back in my old dirty little secret days of being a personal development coach, like one of the first concepts that we teach is most human beings lose because they go do be have. Mm. If I do these things, I'll be this person and I'll have these things. But in yeah. actuality, the only permanent change is be, 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 do, have, do have, right? <laughs> and you take like, you know, Benjamin Hardy with like be your future self now or personalities and permanent or Nicole LaPera's um, do the work, the holistic psychologist on Instagram. And they're literally roadmaps for future self journaling to do that work, yeah. to like map it out and to be that way. And I, I feel like everybody, like I just, I, I struggle to think of an area of life in any area where like you can't win by having this agenda of like increasing your physicality of someone, yeah. whether it's through mobility or movement or stretching or running or breathing or swimming or like just anything that really gets in. It's just being in touch with you. Like to me, yeah. it's that not, we are all that doing actually takes us further away from who we are. We're not in touch with who we are and, and what's, what's going on with us, whether it's physically or mentally, emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're kind of running away. God, that question you asked me earlier is still going for me. Like, what would I be missing or not mm. have? Like everything. Like I'm, I'm, I'm even thinking about it right now. Like I went on a run the other day and like, you know, I still, I still practice this muscle of intensity, like mm -hmm. my tachometer, like one of, one of my wisest teachers, uh, Dr. Jeff Spencer, he's an uh, Olympian. He's responsible for 70 gold medals at the mm -hmm. Olympics. Um, but he's a mindset coach and, and, yeah. and he taught me this principle and he's like, this is the only thing that you have to understand that makes the difference between a champion and somebody who strives to be a champion. He's like temperance. Oh, He's wow. like champions understand that every day it's only about 70% because you only sprint once every four years, the rest yeah. of the time it's about consistency. And he's like, that's where the game is won. It's 70% over and over and over again. Oh, I love that. That's and awesome. I've just, I've never gotten off of it. And it just feels like it's so in reach. And, and like, and here's the other thing I asked too is like, what's it hurt to try? Mm. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, what's exactly. the worst that could happen if you're like, you know what, for the next 30 days, I'm going to be outside moving my feet on the pavement for at least 15 minutes, whether I walk, crawl, run, or jog, but just to see. Like, what's the worst that could happen if you're <laughs> like 15 minutes a day for 30 days, right? But then on the other side, like, what's the best that could happen too, right? Thanks. And you've got to give yourself a chance mm -hmm. to win the game, right? And here's yep. what I think this, this is how I tell my clients how the universe works. When you do all these things, when you do all this work on yourself, when you put all this stuff into the world, you're making deposits in the bank of reciprocity. But your willingness to get on the field every day is where you stick the ATM card in to withdraw it. And until you're on the field, you can't get any of it back out. And the Love field it. comes from doing the behaviors and the things that we know must be done yes. regardless 
of if we feel like doing them. And that's how the game pays us back because mm-hmm. you think about revenue. Revenue is a product. One yeah. plus one equals revenue, right? You think about fitness. You think about weight loss. You think about achieving a goal. You even think about winning a medal at a race. You still have to remember that the time you got was only a byproduct of your preparation and race day. Mm-hmm. And so even if you want to adjust the time and change the goal and you think it's about that, you're still going to have to go make an adjustment to either preparation or race day and get back to 70% Mm -hmm. to make that squeak out. So I just think it's an important thing. And I love that you do this and talk about this, but I, I think, I think what it is, is it's just giving yourself the ability to really build that deep connected relationship with yourself. And I think in the world that we live in, we live in a world where every ounce of your time is being competed against for somebody else's agenda to have your attention. Yeah, especially frankly, now. Oh, my gosh. In this modern and quite, modern And quite time. frankly, one of the easiest and only places that you are guaranteed to not hear the noise of anything else is when mm. you're working out. Yeah, we're so disconnected, I, yeah, in our modern life. So. You're in your body. It, you're, yeah. you're there, right? Like, I love that. Yeah, good luck sprinting up a hill when your heart rate's 170 and thinking about how upset you are at that email you got. No, you're trying to keep your lungs in your chest and your body will thank you for it. You're being very <laughs> present, very in yeah. the moment, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. that. Oh, George, I've, I know I'm looking at the time, I'm very mindful of it. Um, we can do another one. We, could, we will need to do another one, I think, because Let's I, do it. we could dig so deep into some of this day. stuff. I love it. It's just amazing. Um, can I ask you, um, always, what I wanted to say, um, do you think you'll run forever? I mean, it seems like a silly question at this point. Facts. There will be, here's what I'll say. Even for me, I consider walking, running now, any movement of my feet intentionally, Mm -hmm. I consider running, but yes, I, I have, I have trouble seeing a day that physical movement is not the number one priority of my day. Yeah. I love it. I just, um. And that's why, yeah, I would love to have some more conversations with you about it because I've only really touched on the surface and to be able to dig into, you know, that how we can be in touch with ourselves by you know, I love the process it. I would, of moving. I would love, I would love to to unpack that. Yeah. And I and I think too, and 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 thank you for allowing me to share all that. I um I know the context is deep in my story, but I also feel like it speaks to the testament and the power of the questions that you asked. And, and you know, mm. I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. Somebody asked me on a podcast <laughs> um, a couple of years ago, uh, if I could go back in time and give myself a piece of advice, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And the answer I gave, I actually had to turn into a talk at my keynote. And I, <laughs> I, I gave a talk and I was like, hey, I was like, how many people in this audience has ever read a fortune cookie? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right, keep your hand up if you can remember one, right? And they're like, I'm like, give me an example. Like somebody, and they they spit me a quote, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, cool. I'm like, of those ones that you can remember now, right? Everybody hear them. Like, how many of you heard one of those 20 years ago, 10 years ago, right? And I'm like, keep your hands up. Like, awesome. How many of you wish you listened and believed that 10 to 20 years ago and did it every day until now? Keep your hands up, right? And then every hand that wasn't up goes up. No matter which way you slice it, no matter which way you cut it, this is always going to be a game of simplicity and consistency. Yes. And exactly. I'm telling you that the faster you get it and the faster you realize that you are guaranteed to spend a relationship with one person for the rest of your life, and it's you, <laughs> and these tools give you the ability to build that, everything gets really, really easy. 
but you have to remember it's not complicated. It's not overwhelming. It's not Mm -hmm. what workout, what's the running thing. It's like, oh, in this moment right now, what's the one thing I can go do that will get me closer? Great. I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk. Great. I'm going to go for a 15 minute run. Great. I'm going to go drink some water and lay my shoes out for tomorrow morning. It's about incremental bites over, over and over again. And I promise you that if you protect them consistently, no matter whether you get this now or you get this 10 years from now, but I bet you she'll say the same thing. It's going to always come down to those base core behaviors. So remember those fortune cookies in your life that when you lose them, they're always the ones that you wish you brought back or they're the ones that you go back to. And one thing that I have learned in doing this and coaching literally hundreds of thousands of humans is that physicality happens to be one of those ones that everybody wishes they never let go of. Yeah, I wish I didn't gain the weight. I wish Mm -hmm. I didn't stop running. I wish I Mm -hmm. didn't stop eating healthy. I wish I didn't. It's never the other ones. It's always that one. Yeah. So whatever those fortune cookies are for you, if you're listening to this, whatever those ones that are resounding for you, I would pin that fortune cookie on your fridge and on your phone. And I would eliminate all the rest of the complexity. And I would just protect those fortune cookies every single day. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. That's great advice. Um, what tips would you give someone? I know you just gave us a bunch of tips, but if they came to you and said, George, I want to start running. You've really inspired me. Where would you tell them to start? Yeah, that's a great, 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 great question. And I feel so unqualified to give an answer. Um, I'm going to answer this question and I would say I would start walking. Yep. If you wanted to start running, I'd say start walking. Okay. And, and here's what I had to do. I, because of my relationship with it, needed some environmental triggers. And so outside became my default. And so my goal was walk a different way every single day because I didn't want the monotony. And so I would just drive to a different road and I'd walk and I'd walk and I'd walk. And I'd say the most important thing in e-regard this, especially for a beginner runner is time. It's one of the most foundational required things to be successful in running is to really put the foundational time in, which is slow, Mm -hmm. easy, intentional, consistent yeah. And just allow yourself to move. And when you think about your day and how you lived your life before you were a runner, realize that to become a runner, it's not by running. It's by thinking like a runner and acting like a runner. So look for movements in your day. So when you go to the grocery store, instead of parking up front, intentionally park on the other side of the parking mm-hmm. lot and add the steps. Yeah. When you're going to take the escalator, take the stairs and start to add these habits and these behaviors in it. If you work at a desk and you work in your office, set a timer on your phone. And once an hour, when you go on your water break, go walk three flights of stairs and get Mm -hmm. some extra steps in and just figure out areas in your life where you already move or you have this space where you can have it stack and kind of buy these pockets of progress that you can integrate into your life. And so I'd say that that would be um, my first tip. And then my second tip is to find something you really, really enjoy doing while you're in the process. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like solitude while exercising is one of the greatest gifts you can have as a human. But I also Mm -hmm. feel like it's a muscle that you have to learn how to flex and how to have a relationship with. So tough. It is actually so tough. I know. So for me, my belief is instill the baseline behavior is subconscious. You should do something else that you enjoy until Mm -hmm. that happens. Like until every day running is what you do when you don't think about it. Do something else that you enjoy until that's it. So for me, it's audiobooks or podcasts, yeah. or yeah. I make specific playlists based on my mood. And so, mm-hmm. like, if I'm feeling sad, I made a running sad, a running happy. 
And I literally tune my mood based on those things. And so think about fun ways. And like, for me, just so everybody knows, all my running shoes are only pink. I only wear pink running shoes and I get excited when I put them on. And then it makes me feel like I have to run faster because I know everybody's staring at my shoes and everybody compliments me on. So like you, you find little ways. And so make little rituals and make little habits and, and find ways to make it fun. And so like another way, like, for example, like my coffee shop from my house is 3.1 miles away. Okay. And so I drive there every morning before I go to the office, but on Sunday mornings, I have to earn my coffee. So that means on Sunday mornings, I have to run to the coffee shop and then I have a three mile walk home to drink it. And that's how I reward myself. And so I just think about these little ways where rather than be like, oh, I have to go work out today or I have to go Mm -hmm. do blank. I'm like, oh, well, let me just run to the coffee shop today and then I'll walk back or let me just oh, you know what? We have a 20 minute break. Let me see how many flights of stairs I can get in. Right. Like, and I just, I kind of start to stack it in to to make it fun and it makes it exciting for me. And so, yeah, those would be some of the tips that I would give. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. A play is, yeah. So important. I think we, we lose sight of it in our crazy lives that we often make more complicated and more, um, Oh yeah. Cause like I do it too. Like even on treadmills, I do math games, right? Mm. Like I have to play Mm. games with myself, right? I'll make milestones. I'll make chunks. And then I'm like, (laughs) like I do, I, I, there's another really good book and I, I, I'll highly recommend this book for you by the way. Um, but for everybody else, there's a a beautiful book called the comfort crisis by Michael Easter. It's one of of my favorite books and it's so applicable to running in so many ways, uh, and so many correlations that carry through. Um, but the Japanese have this term called, and I'm going to wrap after this, but it, it's a tip called Masogi, right? And, and yeah. it's this old terminology and it's basically their rite of passage and it, it's been adapted, but with a Masogi, there's a couple rules. Number one is you have to have at least a 50% chance of failure. Uh-huh. Number two is you can't die. And number three, nobody can know about it. So at least once a month, I do some physical challenge or activity that really, really pushes my understanding and my ability for myself. But even with those, like some of them have been like 12 hour hikes, like very intentionally done. And like, I literally will have to gamify it. So I will literally make a playlist per hour and I'll do like an hour of one set of songs, then an hour of silence. And then like a half an hour of this, like just to, to even try to To make it it more fun to, I can break it up and do it. And so I just think that the more fun we have, the more things that we add, the more likely we are to build in the momentum and the anchors that keep us accountable to doing it and then have the associations that build in those habits that keep us going, right? And I think consistency is it. And so find the easiest consistent habit and then stack on some of the other ones. And so if you already wake up early, just go for a 10 minute walk Mm -hmm. and leave your morning coffee out on the counter for when you get back and earn your coffee or you know, yeah. on your lunch break, before you go eat your lunch, when you start to warm up your food, go for a 10 minute walk in the sun before you eat your lunch and look for these pockets and just find these ways to create these moments for you to experience this more and have your body fall in love with it more and get the rewards and the benefits outside of just the physical workout. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's really awesome. Um, yes. I'm going to get back in touch with you and we need to dig into some we'll of do, the- we'll do We'll do round two. Yeah, I would love that um, because I know Whatever you have to you go. Want, dear. I have to You're go awesome. pack. I know, and you have to go pack because you're heading to Bali, coming closer to us. Um, before we go, I know we didn't touch in uh, touch on what you actually do now, which is <laughs> interesting um, in itself. But rather than you, you know, give us a whole lot of stuff right now about it because I know you need to go. Yeah. Um, 
can you send me through some links and things that people yeah, can follow? Because yeah. I and think I'll, they and, want to very motivating. I'll make, it, I'll make it really easy for everybody. One of the things you'll see when you find me is that there's this wrapping paper that says for entrepreneurs, but if you remove the label entrepreneur, yeah. every single thing I teach is applicable to you because I teach principles and I focus heavily yes. on mindset yeah. and relationships with yourself. And so my podcast is the best place. And I mean, the best place. Um, my website is the pinkest website you will ever see. If you want to know why you can ask me on Instagram, um, but it's mindofgeorge.com. Excellent. The podcast is the mind of George show. And um You'll even see we have it sorted if you go to my website or if you DM us on Instagram, we can send you just the mindset episodes or just that. We have it broken down to make it really easy for you. And so if there's anything that lands, there's episodes out there where I talk about the SOS model, the wedge of yeah. expectations and things like that. So my podcast is designed to not need me. So it's a take it, use it, and everything you need is in it. So Perfect. that's how it's designed. That's what I thought. I knew that the, all I know, anyone who's listened, listened to this is going to want to follow up and and get a bit more of George because it's been very motivational, including uh, for me. So uh, I want to make sure it's accessible to everybody. So thank you so much for sharing your time. I know how valuable it is. Oh my God, thank you. I'm I'm actually really, really excited to do round two too, because like, I don't ever talk about running and I apparently love it way more than I realized. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you do. Everybody loves running really. They just don't know it yet. (laughs) And everybody says it. They're like, well, look at your calves. I'm like, these don't make good running legs, by the way, just for the record. These are not, these are not distance running legs. My they cal- look all right, cal- especially with the pink shoes. Oh, I know. Well, the, the, the funny thing is when I was a bodybuilder, my, my quad, my quads, each quad was only one inch smaller than my waist. Oh, Wow. And so like, I just have really muscular legs. And then after the surgery, because I had to do 18 months of PT, my calves developed like this massive amount of muscle and workout from like eight hours a day. So I've always had like really, really strong legs, but like all my body weight is in my legs. So like running is not (laughs) pleasurable when you have tree trunks that are the size (laughs) of most dudes torsos that you're picking up. So good for um, getting up hills though. (laughs) It is very good for getting up hills. That is, um. I am, I am pretty much a mountain goat. Like you put a hundred pound weight pack on me and I will go straight up a hill. There's I no getting it. me down. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's actually my preferred modality is uphill yeah. outside running. That's what I do like every day. I love it. I do. Yeah. All right. All so right. we'll do round two. We we'll will. Do round uh, two. Don't jump off straight away. I'll just uh, I finish the recording. But again, thank you so much for sharing so much goodness. Really appreciate your time. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. Send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. I also wanted to let you know that I've created an email list so you won't miss any podcast episodes. You'll find details in the show notes and on the Fit Mind Fit Body website, along with a bunch of resources on mindful running. They'll help you to get and stay mentally and physically fit. And I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running and ultimately to improve their life. See you soon.